Hey, everybody. Welcome to Texas Squad Goals, the Extra Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farentino. And on this episode, we're taking one small step towards the end of the series by talking about one small step. Part one of the fall of the Neo-Sapien Empire. It was written by Michael Edens, Rolf Steiner, J.F. Sebastian, and Paul Lazaro. People who I could find nary a trace of. So sometimes the age of the cartoon shows. It's the beginning of the end. With that said... What do you guys think of this one? It's really intense. Uh, it's uh, it's got some pretty solid exo uh, exo action, uh, and overall, it's an excellent episode. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think there's a ton that happens. If you're if you like E frames, this is a good one for you. I have I have a few kind of small issues with it that I kind of felt annoyed by, but ton of action, you know. Good. I liked it. Uh, made me sad. Yeah. Kind of. There's a big sad part in this one. So I thought some things could be handled better, but <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, if you didn't, again, why would you be listening to this if you didn't listen to the episode or see the series? I mean, maybe you just enjoy our dulcet tones. Uh, Alec Dalion eats it. It's an excellent death after an exo frame fight and lots of exo excitement. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty anticlimactic. That, that, that was my one, my one thing I did want to point out is like, is like when he pretends to be Typhonus and he says things. He's like the the exo frames are traitors. Like Phaeton takes zero time to verify this. He's like, they are. I better blow all of them up. Like, doesn't he have like a camera on one of them? He can look at them and be like, oh, that's not happening at all. Like, what's going on here? Like. The, the thing he uses to blow them up is literally a lever <laughs> that someone built. Someone built the lever and probably put a string attached it to this control panel. Yeah. And then he, for him to pull. And he has not pulled it until now. <laughs> then he just made a stop. Has he ever needed to blow up all of his own E-frames? <laughs> There's not even like a safety string on it or something he would have to cut. He could like knock that thing over if he sneezed. Like it seems really irresponsible. Did you did you put in the lever? And what's the lever for? Oh, it's in case I need to blow up all of my own e-frames. Why would you even need to do that? Just in, I don't know. <laughs> don't make me turn into goo. <laughs> if they attack me, maybe I don't. Just build the lever. Do you want a button? No, I want to pull something like a slot machine from the eighties. Do you want like a like a command and conquer? Like you lasso the guys you want to blow up? No lever. The guys on the moon are like he's like he's like uh, laid on the arms, and they were like, but we're clearly winning. Like they're about to all be dead, and they're like, come stand down. It's like all right, better not verify this. Getting out of my frame, like yeah, yeah, they they're winning. Neo Sapiens are winning the battle, and it all turns because Daleon uses something, a technology that's never been introduced before. Like there's a black box that apparently, which is basically how they made Andy Circus into Gollum for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like wait, so like no one's ever just looking through a video; they're looking through a, a black box that controls what you look like. <laughs> Right. It, it's it's like it's like Alec DeLeon invented Snapchat filters for the Battle of the Moon. And it's just like I'm gonna use the Typhonus one. The Shiva one's next week. Yeah. His his frame told him he wasn't gonna make it, which is <laughs> pretty cool. That's my favorite moment of the episode where he's they're like, We gotta get help. He's like, No, 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 my frame told me I'm gonna die. And it's like, whoa. Like And they like just no they sugar. Like try to save him a couple times too. Like they get the medevac and then they like like there, there's like multiple times he's like, no, it's not. Frame told me you're gonna die. 
What? <laughs> you in the jungle, Delion, you're going to die. <laughs> Everyone's reaction to it is like, Bronski goes, that, who knew it would be him? And like, Nera's like, yeah, I never uh, didn't see that one coming. No, but she's like, like, it's never the ones you think. Like, Bronski is like questioning Delion's death, and Nara, who like has been in the Exo fleet for like two years, is like, yeah, it's never the ones you think. Like, she has this like deep wisdom. I'm like, three people have died in Able Squad, like, ever. Like, like this is someone you've known, and you're, they're, they're just so like callous about it. And then like she looks at Marsala, and she's like, "It's never the ones you want to die." Yeah, I was going to say, there's a vague subtext that either she wants Marsala to die, or she thought it was going to be Bronski because it's like he's like, "Oh man, him," and she's like, <laughs> "Yeah, it wasn't you." <laughs> like, yep, absolutely. Can we also go back to the fact that Typhonus hugs Delion to death yes. when you get down to it? He doesn't shoot him. He doesn't. He just is like, "You will accept my love." Yeah. Of all like the, the ways to kill someone in an E-frame, like crushing them slowly to death via a hug was not the epic death I was kind of hoping for. And then Colin O'Reilly is the only one there. <laughs> he also explains it by saying his like exo-frame is like specially designed for like that move. It's like his exo-frame is genetically modified. For hugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> we crossbred my exo-frame with a Charlie Rose. It will inappropriately hug you. <laughs> Let me put on my bathrobe. <laughs> and then this fight will continue. In much comfort. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Secretary? So, that said... Yeah, so... <laughs> this whole thing takes place on the moon, in case you haven't gleaned that. And basically, they're starting the invasion of Earth, so they have to go to the moon first, like the island-hopping campaign in the Pacific in World War II. So, this is our Okinawa. Because much like in the uh, Battle of Okinawa, they landed, everything was cool. Then like guns came out of everywhere and it turned into a big slog. But we actually start in 1969, baby. Nice. With uh, Neil Armstrong, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Flash forward to the 22nd century and everyone's invading. We get a little pre-invasion stuff. We get a scene of Nara and Marsala talking about how the war has been going on for three years. It's hard to believe that we've only been fighting this war for three years. It feels more like 30 the perception of time is relative. A lifetime can be lived in three years. It makes you think a little bit about the time frame of the uh, series, because as Ryan mentioned before we started, Able Squad was in jail for a whole year of that. Yeah, like a whole year. So they've only really, yeah, they've only been really on the front for like two years, maybe. Yeah, and Kaz Takagi is the only one who's changed. <laughs> well, to be fair... Nara's got uh, her green... Did she always have green eyes, or is that because she got some like genetic modification thing from that plant dude? Oh, it's yeah, because she, uh, she got bred with the plant people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What what was the fallout from that? Uh, was that, was that... Her eyes are green now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> I, think they, I, think they, I think they call back to it later. I think it's... I think I think later in the, in the fall, it calls back to the fact that she's like, has chlorophyll in her body or whatever happened there. <laughs> Yeah, every time there's like direct sunlight, she hulks out. They do kind of just like skip over that. Yeah, it and and there's not there's not like a scene of her getting checked out by like a med tech or anything. It's like, Nara, are you okay? It's just like, look at my green eyes, they're striking. So JT comes in, says everyone make sure you're good at shit because we're invading the moon. Double check everything. This isn't the Earth, but it's right next door. We're nearing the end game, people. We're finally getting a chance to take back what was taken from us. We don't want any surprises. They call back to the uh, the art episode because Alec is all like, I've been meaning to thank you for rescuing all that artwork while you're on Earth. It'd be a tragedy to lose all that beauty just because Phaeton doesn't have an eye for the finer things in life. And by the way, you know what else is a piece of art? Maggie Weston's ass. And they do a really tight shot of, of that booty, which is pretty risque for 
a children's cartoon drink. There's a lot of sexual tension this episode. There's that woman getting naked during the scramble, and uh, that couple makes out, and that guy makes like an anime happy face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his nose like, starts bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're all just getting ready for stuff. Winfield gets nervous. Simbaka's all like, and that's why they're willing to follow your orders. Simbaka's too again too willing to die. Yeah, there's a lot of him being (laughs) there's a lot of him being ready to fucking be like, okay, this is a good time for us to die, right? This is the time. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) I'll take my cyanide capsule. Uh, Spock, we might we might win. (laughs) Winfield, seasons do not fear the reaper, nor do the wind, the sun, and the rain. Should be like they are. (laughs) I commit. Uh, Hurry, hurry. Not necessary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I love the scene of like. He's like, I've take, I've cracked my tooth and swallowed my cyanide pill. And I'm like, oh, all the Neo E-frames just blew up. And he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. He starts did, to throw up. Did he pull the lever? <laughs> yeah. He did, didn't he? <laughs> Do you think the pirates have a lever? I would like to think that they have a lever. I like that they have, they have two levers, the one that goes down and the one that goes up. And they've kind of forgotten which one does which. <laughs> It's like a light switch that turns off the power and you just have like a piece of scotch tape over it being like, just don't, just don't fuck with that one. It's one of these. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> one gives candy to all the children and one blows up all the A-frames. Yes. If you hit this button, you, you get a million dollars, but someone you know will die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a real like Blumhouse uh, horror movie right here. <laughs> like One releases puppies. One kills puppies <laughs> that would it would literally be like uh because they had all those office horror movies it'd be like if you press this button you get a promotion yep. but someone in your department dies okay done like workplace everything solved um so we invade the moon everyone lands there's a bunch of firefights and all that they land at tranquility park throwing back to 1969 and the piece that was there tranquility national park tranquil peace gunfights not peaceful Glad we cleared that up. Fucking uh, jump troops are in force. Colleen O'Reilly uses her fancy head computer to tell people that they're being shot at. Take cover! Oh, and we get a we get a really good last ditch toy effort with the foot landmine. <laughs> that was definitely a like. Check out what this uh, jump trooper toy can do. Yeah, it's like he, with his scanning power, he can place foot landmines to breach the door. And they're like, no one cares about that. That's a really dumb idea. <laughs> like, That's a strange thing to devote like 40 seconds of uh, screen time to in like one of the most important episodes of the series. So that is the part where they have the uh, there's a there's a part where basically they're breaching into the moon base, which is just fun to say. And Phaeton's giving this great speech, which will probably go here. Of all the creatures who have occupied the Earth, it is we, the Neo-Sapiens, who have proved most fit to rule. The door to our future is opening, and beyond that door lies the road to greatness. Life is a journey. Every action we take, every decision we make, large or small, is a step on that journey. Only when we take the last step is the final destination revealed. But you have chosen your future. You will not take your final step in darkness, but in the brilliant flash of ultimate sacrifice. As your enemy crumbles before you, you will know that your journey was not made in vain. And yeah, it's like... Your journey. <laughs> he's he's literally like uh it gets like quasi spiritual, like yeah, he, his brain's gone to goo. But a constant theme with this episode 
is uh, Alec and Maggie keep like flirting, which basically means that they're like they're boning in this episode. There's a lot of uh, be careful. Man. Why, Mr. Dion? I didn't know you cared. Hey, don't get cocky, Alec. Why, Weston? I didn't know you cared. In your dreams, De Leon. The sexy tilt. Yeah. Up, up on up on Maggie, which I thought was a little bit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how to feel. I was yeah. that that moon base perimeter ain't the only thing being penetrated. <laughs> I'm sorry. Which actually we find out is not the case, which we we will talk about. But basically, Typhonus is like to his guys, fight to the death. The moon must not fall to the Terrans. Uh, Phaeton is basically like, hey, Typhonus, I got a surprise. It's all the E-frames from Earth. And they launched this giant offensive at the not really protected fleet. And we get a great scene of Winfield being like, Scramble all remaining E-frames. Intercept the Neo-Sapien frames and keep them away from the fleet. Which is where we get, I call this our tour of our dead friends. Because if you watch this montage, there's puffy hair mustache guy, redheaded undercut. There's busty blonde shower girl who makes out with the guy later. Like, Every B character in the show, like, just shows up here to get killed in yeah. five seconds later, which is great. It is a great, like, scrambling the fleet moment, though, because, like, everyone's, like, eating dinner and, like, hanging out or, like, taking a shower. And everyone's like, oh, shit. And it's just like, uh, it's like NFL red zone of people getting into and, like, firing up their E-frames. <laughs> cool. Like, I really enjoyed it. And, like, it's like an all, like, it's just, like, straight up, like, just the hits. Like getting ready for an E-frame fight that we only get like a little bit of every episode. Yeah, I think they wrote just the. Hit. I think they wrote they played all the hits in this one, um, <laughs> which I feel like they did, and I I like that it's consequential. I'm kind of like, how many E-frames does Phaeton have? Why are they losing? Like, yeah, right? <laughs> there's there's a certain amount of like context that I think is missing, which is fine. That um, that one Neo Sapien fires six of those missiles and blows up six E frames. Like, yeah, how many what? people are left? Yeah, like yeah, it's like, like an entire dead. squad. Like there's a shot where they show the battle and it's literally just a screen full of explosions. Like it's fucking nuts. Hundreds of people are dying out there. Like and then the whole thing comes to like a Typhonus who we know is the worst captain of all, right? Saying. It's we're, we lost. Blow him up. He's the most incompetent. And by the way, does Dalion know that he has that lever, <laughs> or is he just hoping that there's a lever? <laughs> I think it's a, dramatic, it's a pretty dramatic thing for like, you know, your team's like down at halftime or winning at halftime, and you just walk off the field like, sorry, we gave it a good effort. Yeah, but you're up by twelve. It's- there's also no attempt of confirmation of any kind. Like, yeah, this, uh, this, this. Yeah, this transmission from my most incompetent of generals is, is justification enough for me to blow up the whole assault. Um, he's the worst, but he's a general, so you know. Well, and think of the think of like this: like when they sent Shiva out with the you know the big fleet, they put a neo lord with him to be like, "Hey, just make sure shit goes down." With this stupidest, like most incompetent general that Phaeton even notes is like a moron. They're just like, "Yeah, yeah, just just you know, full autonomy, just do your thing, baby." And it's like. What could possibly go wrong? We, you know? we also get that really sad scene where where Phaeton lists off all his incompetent generals, and it goes on for like a while. Like, is it my fate to suffer the idiocy of incompetent generals? Typhonus, Draconis, Shiva, and now Typhonus again. He, he does definitely say Antiphonus twice. Yeah, like, which is great. Yeah, you got to wonder the wisdom of somebody who clones someone exactly the same. 
who was terrible to begin with. Right. It's like you're fi- you're you're fired so hard I have to end your life. All right, I'll take a new version of what, what I like too is that they look at a regular Neo Sapien and they're like, we can crossbreed you with scorpions. But they're like, we can't take a general and crossbreed you with not incompetence. Like that's the one trait they can't get rid of. Yeah. So basically when all the E-frames are attacking. They scramble everyone out of the uh, fleet, but they call back all the ground support, except for Alec Delion, who's going in with the jump troops to help clean out this bunker because he has special EMP tracking powers and all this stuff. And we got some cool firefights in there. Simbaka's all about uh, the suicidal tendencies. He's like, Then we will all go up in a glorious blaze, brighter than a new sun. People get shot. People don't get shot. O'Reilly almost eats it, blows some people up. There's a lot of like really good firefights in this episode, but it basically comes down to O'Reilly gets the the command center and Typhonus is about to like stamper and uh, Delion like saves the day. But then Typhonus goes over and like gives him the most violent hugs like we were talking about and like crushes him inside his E-frame. O'Reilly blows up Typhonus too with a rocket, which is pretty fun, but a little, you know, underrepresented. And... Basically, Deleon is like, I'm not going to make it. My E-frame knows. It told me, patch me into the con. Plug Typhonus' black box into my thing. I'll give a quick call to Phaeton and be like, yo, all your guys are running. Phaeton, like we said, pulls the lever, blows everyone up, even though they're winning. And O'Reilly's like, okay, we got to get you help now. And he's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me make another call. And he calls all the people on the moon and says, hey, uh, Phaeton surrendered. So they all surrender. And he saves the day, but unfortunately he dies. He he's a bit of a I'm not going to say he's a dick when he's dying, but he goes to Maggie and he's like, or not Maggie. He goes to uh, O'Reilly. He's like, hey, hey, so how do you feel about JT? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, no, 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 I'm dying. How do you really feel? Because and his like last words really are. You never you never answered my question. You do care about JT, don't you? Tell him I never told Maggie and fucking dies and we get the reactions like we talked about but the, oh, the problem with that though is that is that he says tell him i never told maggie he should have said tell him i never told maggie like right <laughs> you know there's the, he, it's, the delivery is wrong so it's like you need to tell tell jt because i never told maggie but it's like she's gonna go to she's gonna go to jt and be like uh he never told maggie <laughs> And JT's going to be like, told her, told her what? <laughs> it's, you know, it's the difference between a period and a, and a comma or... There's just an episode where they're trying to figure out what Delion didn't tell her. And it's yeah. like, is, did he leave the stove on? Is there... Huh. Tell him I never told him. <laughs> told him what? What would, you, what would you have to say? But yeah, it, it gets, you know, like O'Reilly is really torn up because she sees the whole thing and she tells everyone that their friend is dead. And we talked about the squad reacting like they do. But what you guys like? What do you guys think? Because we talked about this with uh, during the Eden's interview that they were originally they were going to kill Torres. They didn't do that. They eventually killed James. And now we get Delion. Like, do you think Delion was a good choice um, to be the yeah, guy to I, die I, I, in this or what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I mean, it feels like it happens. I I almost felt like what, what Bronski and Nero were saying was kind of meta. You know, they were like, yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it almost seemed like not, it, like not done super well. Like I'm all for someone dying and staying dead, but um, <laughs> that's for another episode. 
but um i just felt like it came kind of came out of nowhere it's like an odd death it's like it's not meaningful really like i get that they made him like sacrifice himself but only after he was dying (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you know what i mean like you're you're like it wasn't building towards it it was sort of awkward it's like him and o'reilly like typhonis wasn't his like he didn't have a weakness that led to his death. It wasn't like he hated Typhonus. Yeah. I think they tried to make it sound like that, but like, it, I don't know. Yeah. It didn't have that, like that little extra oomph. It wasn't, he was like, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's a noble sacrifice to like, you know, refuse medical care, but he already knows he's going to die, you know? So that kind of undercuts it a little bit. He's like, well, I'm, I'm my, I trust my frame. My frame said I'm dying. That's what it is. But it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't like, he lost his head and did something dumb and it got him killed or it wasn't like a random like gunshot kind of thing. It was like, yeah, it feels like something's like a little off with it, you know? Like if, like if it had been like, you know, you can either, the bomb's going to go off, right? And he can either leave or he can go further into the complex and like make sure the bomb goes or something, you know? I mean, and that's like a normal <laughs> You're going to die. Make sure you die. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like he could leave or he could like press the lever that's going to destroy all the beating frames. You know what I mean? It's like, that's more of a noble thing. This is just like, he gets, I don't know. He loses, he loses the fight. We've seen them win a thousand times before. There's part of me that like from a stakes standpoint kind of gets it. Cause it's like, he's the number two guy. He's the one with the longest like relationship pretty much in the show. He's important, but he's like kind of still a background. Like if Bronski died, you know, you can't kill him. He's the comedy release. Kaz is us, so he can't die. You know, they tease Taurus, so they can't kill her after not killing her. Nair is a POV character, basically. You know, it's like, it's almost like just luck of the draw in a lot of ways, you know? I don't think he's a bad choice. I just think the way it's done is kind of random. Well, let, let me ask you guys. We got a question. We got, I got two questions from John Ferrier I want to do. Uh, he asked, you get to choose another major character to die in the show. Who do you choose and how does that person get killed? These are, these are questions I've, I feel like I've thought about. Right? Because um, it's kind of one of those things you always consider. But it's if you really think about it in a lot of ways, it's like... It's hard to do it. I would kill JT Marsh in the last episode of the series and then never resolve it just to make everyone be like, is he dead or isn't he dead? And, you know, sit on that for like, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would do. Uh, this is going to sound pretty morbid, but uh, Nara by suicide. <laughs> we can't handle it. <laughs> she just she couldn't handle it. it. She couldn't live in a world without her parents. Yeah. And James, you know, it's like she and then Marsala is like too late and he's like haunted by it. <laughs> it's it's a real imbruge moment where Marsala was going to kill her and then she like walked into a field and they were spraying pesticide and it kills her. But she, she seems to be like the most innocent one. And I feel like if you want to want to be the, the loss of innocence, you know, you could do that. I just sort of like I I might have said this before, but I always felt like who, you should sort of figure out who's going to live and die by like what their role is going to be afterwards. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like. And I feel like, you know, I don't know what Nara's role is after the world, you know, after the war is over. It's like, I, don't, I feel like she couldn't live. She couldn't make it. But then again, she could, she could be a put down roots somewhere. Literally. <laughs> hey. Hey. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like the thing, like, I, you know, I, I was joking about JT, but like, like a Marsala as a character, if you gave him the right, no, you know, if you made him have the noble act, and I'm totally forgetting the series a little bit, but if you had, if you had him like have a noble sacrificial act that basically ended the war. Then, like you said, his plan after the war is that he's like the icon, you know, Marsala, you know, he started the rebellion and ended the war kind of thing. 
Like he's, he become, he's Nelson Mandela. He's like yeah. pre- he could become a president. Yeah, he he's Mandela and Tutu all in one. He's everyone. That's why he's got two thumbs. Uh, I would kill JT Marsh in this episode and have the rest of the series be Nara trying to lead the squad in taking Earth. Ooh, bold choice. I like that none of us said Simbaka because <laughs> we can't grant him his wish. Fortune favors the bold, baby. No one's bold, and no one's bolder than Simbaka. Yeah, it's like his punishment is to keep living. <laughs> yeah, for him, the best revenge is not living well. Living well, he's it's like he's gonna live to like yeah. ninety. You, you can't live to yeah. be ready to die, which means Simbaka is only one of us who's truly alive. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> and on that note, who's your MVP for this episode? MVP. Uh, Simbaka, because he does not fear death. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had not thought of it until this moment. I'm, I'm going to say uh, Typhonus's henchman, the one he grabs when when he's like, you will fight to the death, because that dude keeps his mouth open in shock for a good 50 seconds. Like, <laughs> just like, you know, that's great. Uh, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to say Colleen O'Reilly for being entirely reasonable. Um and trying to do the right thing. Sub sub MVP, the person who installed that switch. <laughs> yeah. It, I again I want to see what super specialized Neo Sapien like it was the like the last act of the Neo Megas before Phaeton got rid of them. It's like Walker, Texas Lever. Um <laughs> it's like the, yes, it's, it's like it's like Walker, Texas Ranger Lever. It's a good episode. It's it's a really good start to this like fight towards the end, and we get um it, it sort of now we're getting to the ends. We're get, we're going to get some fun questions and stuff like that. Again, the second question I want to ask you from from the listening audience was: You were thrown into the Exo Squad universe one month prior to the outbreak of the war. With your full knowledge of the series, what do you do? Who am I? <laughs> am I rich? You have a lot of money. My my answer is: I would buy a lot of land in Shiva sure. City, and just like. Rolling that beachfront property. I would uh, take a luxury space liner out into deep space for three years. Fall out. <laughs> My word, what what happened? <laughs> what, you guys had a fight? Yeah. How peculiar. You pull like a Wally and just like, you're like, long-term luxury cruises. You know, charge everyone an arm and a leg and they'll be like, wow, you made us miss the whole war. You're a hero. I would I would be in the Exo Squad, but continually... Uh, screw up and then be in the brig the whole time because <laughs> their jail sentences are way too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need every man we can muster. You guys are going to jail for a full year, literally a third of the war. Um, I would definitely um, go into the sewers and like like uh, MTV cribs out part of the sewer system so that when the resistance happens, like we have like a sick, sick resistance pad. <laughs> like recliners for everyone. Fucking you'd be the sewer king. Oh yeah, giant, giant big screen playing Starface all day. Like, yeah. <laughs> a bucket of shoes in the foyer. Absolutely, uh, you ain't no big dog. <laughs> yeah, let's you get that bucket of shoes. Oh man. Okay, well, you guys got anything you want to plug on this their episode? Um, well, we had a nor'easter today, so if you need something crocheted, handmade scarf, hat, or uh, custom item. Go to uh, Etsy.com and search Two Loopy Ladies. Find yourself something nice. If you need a wedding film made or a film of any kind, go to uh, 25films.com. Yeah. In both cases, they do their best work in the bedroom. No. <clears throat> um, 
not wrong. And if you like this sort of witty banter, go to patreon.com slash extra squad goals and support us for infinite money. Give us all the money so we could buy our space yacht, go away for three years and make you avoid the bulk of the great Neo-Sapien war um, or the war of Terran aggression. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's going to be some all sorts of fucked up conspiracy shit after the Neo-Sapien war. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, and yeah, just uh, show us a little love because we love you. In the words of Bruce Pritchard, I love you. So that's no one will get that reference. Anyway, it's a brother love thing. But what do you guys recommend? Um, I'm going to recommend Shit's Creek on Netflix. The first season is okay, but it it's it's charming. But it gets gets better as it goes. It's funny and adorable and uh, worth worth a look. And it's short. It's a short short episode. Short seasons. Hear a lot of good things about that. What you got, Ryan? Uh, I'm going to recommend um, a series of un- unfortunate events. Uh, season two is coming out at the end of next week. Uh, and season one with Neil Patrick Harris, and it is excellent. Freaking out. I think you might have recommended that before, but I'll allow it. Because um, <laughs> it's the second season. I'm going to recommend uh, Manhunt Unabomber. It's on Netflix, and it's it's just like a fun kind of procedural not fun it's it's one of those like procedural shows where they're like how are we gonna do this i've got an idea and you know it goes there and uh the sam worthington worthington i think is his name right the guy from uh avatar who looks like sean avery the former hockey player is the main character so he there's no one that's really great in the series but it's very watchable and it's like eight episodes so i could do a podcast about sam worthington <laughs> the Sam Worthingcast. Like, why is he a thing? He's literally, he's literally like the default human. Like, we need an actor. He's the least charismatic leading man of all time, and they tried to make him a leading man for such a long time. Yeah, because he was in uh, Avatar. He was in that uh, the Clash of the Titans movie too, right? Oh, he's a, yeah, he was in a ton of stuff. Yeah, that's so fucking weird because he's they like pushed him so hard until they couldn't. Do, he was in the Terminator movie. Oh God, uh, Christian Bale. That's a bad match. I forgot about that. He's in Man on a Ledge. Oh, fuck. Let's let's uh, <laughs> yeah, like, let's, let's, load, let's let's load up the Worthing machine and eat some Worthers and watch some Worthers. Um, Where is he after? It's after Terminator Salvation, Avatar, Clash of the Titans, The Debt, Man on a Ledge, Wrath of the Titans. Why? He's just they tried to push him pretty hard on Everest, Hacksaw Ridge. He's just not someone with charisma or charm of any kind. No one saw the first like Clash of the Titans. It was like, you know what? Not so much. He's you like know? generically good looking. You know, when like movies started to have, be like desaturated in the 2000s, he's <laughs> like someone took like George Clooney and desaturated him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you desaturate a person? I don't know. Turn down the handsomeness by like 25%. Take away all the, any idea of charm or personality. Yeah. Add in a little stubble, take down the handsome. Done. Um, but yeah, freaking A, man. Like, well, that, that was that's a good episode. Are you guys excited for the uh, the campaign to take back the Terran homelands? Yeah, man, dude. I uh, no sleep till Earth. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. No sleep till Phaeton City. The. Uh, yeah. Livia. No. Um, okay. Well, if you guys enjoy this podcast, like I said, go to the patreon.com. But 
a thing to consider is that our intro and outro music is done by Eric Calderon. He's been here for, since the first episode, since before the first episode, the Phantom episode no one heard. His stuff is at 331 E-Rock. Check it out. He does all sorts of crates, great stuff, not crate stuff. That's a different thing. Um, that's a different podcast, the Crate Cast. Um, it's about dragons and boxes. It's a crossover Star Wars podcast. Um, if you like the stuff, go to patreon.com slash Like we said, find us on Twitter at exosquadgoals. You can always reach out. We love hearing from you. Email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com. And as usually, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Ferentino. Are there any heroes in this company? No, sir. No, oh, no, sir. Sorry. God, God damn it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. You had one job. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've been doing it too too well. We've been getting too good at it. (laughs) So a podcast about Hitman. The Hitcast. Yes. I... I was just thinking, a podcast about, like, people doing hits would be like, you know, oh, yeah, there was the guy who did the thing, you know, the thing? Yeah, not that thing, though, you know, the other thing. It'd be, like, the most vague thing ever. (laughs) Which could also go into, like you said, the Italian-American podcast that we were going to have called, what was it called? (laughs) Let's make a sauce. Yeah, let's let's make a sauce. It's two Italian-American kids. No, it's called, you want me to make a sauce? (laughs) Probably the question I've heard the most in my life. We just make a sauce and just discuss crime every time. <laughs> it's making a sauce. It's like, did you hear about that thing? No, what happened? I like, by the way, your your like Italian American crime guy is like, did you hear about that thing? <laughs> it's not like it's like, hey, you hear about Tony? Yeah, Gabagoo, Tony Gabagats, got a got. It's like what? <laughs> Are those words? Tony Gabagats. He Gabagagool by the Gabagool. Blah. Blah. <laughs> my, my favorite ho- Italian American Halloween tradition, the Gabagool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The Gabagool. <laughs> Legend says he's fatty and full of nitrates. Hey, you want seconds? He looks skinny. Blah, blah, I'm the Gabagool. You're trying to lose weight? Yeah, where am I? I'm over here now. Oh, you know, he's also (laughs) he has to be played by Andrew Dice Clay, though. That's the only that's the only thing. Look at this guy. You don't feed him. He's all skin and bones. When I haunted your family, you was this big. Now look at you. You're this big. Oh, you're growing so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down.